Seltzer Kings podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Yeah, they're really, really ugly, Gavin. I mean, when you look at them, they, they kind of look like you. Ass. The following podcast contains... But swearing and using dirty words is not one of my vices. I don't use foul language, and I don't like to hear anyone else use it either. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you beat the shit out of a middle-aged mom in a Toys R Us just to get your hands on a stupid doll, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe. This is episode number 389. Don't throw me in that Cabbage Patch edition of the show, but we talk about that time Americans were beating the shit out of each other to get their hands on a Cabbage Patch doll. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast is brought to you by the return of Gabby, the lovable producer. This Christmas, the What the Hell merch store brings back our plush toy of the beloved producer Gavin, and it's perfect for you, your kids, or your pets. Rendered in laser-measured 3D modeling, Gabby captures the contours and shape of producer Gavin with 73% less smugness by volume. It's soft and squishy in the middle, just like the real producer Gavin, and on this adorable plush, the cold, lifeless eyes of producer Gavin are far less disturbing. If you're searching for just the right way to support the What the Hell Are You Thinking podcast and the Celtic Kings Network, you need Gabby, the lovable producer doll. It's hypoallergenic, all-natural fibers, flame-resistant, and treated with a special non-toxic scent, realistically reproducing the aroma of the real Gavin. Earl Grey tea and barely suppressed rage. Act now and get 20% off the anatomically correct Dave doll when you order Gabby, the lovable producer, from SeltzerKings.com. People all over the country are clamoring for Cabbage Patch Kids. It's like a fever taking hold. Potential buyers are not above elbowing, shouting, and crying so they can walk away with their coveted prize. Wherever Cabbage Patch dolls are sold, they're not sold for long. For example, in San Diego, there is no Cabbage Patch doll to be found. Just ask the many callers who are trying to locate one. You know, I'm afraid we're out for the Christmas season. No, we don't. Some stores sold their allotment in less than a half hour. Many carry other Cabbage Patch items, stickers, and bicycles. But what's the topping without the dessert? We got approximately 48 of them in on a Wednesday at about 2 in the afternoon, and by 6 o'clock, they were all gone. They just waited until our shipment arrived, and we brought them out here, and before we could put them on the shelves, people were going through them and, and choosing the ones that they wanted. Yes, this is one of the originals, but don't think you're going to get it. The doll belongs to an employee who forgot to take it home. The Cabbage Patch frenzy has been more civilized, more subdued here in San Diego. No riots reported in any store. The doll's manufacturer, Coleco, is trying to step up production and ship more than two million Cabbage Patch kids by the end of the year. Still, stores in San Diego don't expect to see any of the toys until 1984. Liz Purcell, News 8, Kearney Mesa. When I was 11, maybe 12, there was just one thing that I wanted. I needed 
for Christmas. Just the one present that I had to find underneath the tree, just the one object that would make for me a true Christmas miracle. I wanted a gun. Did you say gun? I said gun. I did indeed say gun. I, a child, not even in his teens, wanted the ability to kill at range, an instrument that could end a life with just the tiniest squeeze of the trigger. I wanted a lethal weapon from old St. Nick. That's very American. Specifically, I wanted a Savage Arms Stevens Model 94 single-shot shotgun 410 gauge. But, but why? Well, I suppose it was because I'd recently relocated against my will from the mountains of southeast Tennessee and felt as though if I had this one thing, this firearm, I would still be able to connect with my southern country boy heritage. And yeah, I get it. You're listening to this through the lens of 2022 and the idea of getting your child a real working firearm is either ludicrous or if you're on the other side of the political aisle, you think that I was already way too old for a 410 shotgun, and by age 12, any child should have their own AR-15. This is America. But in 1982, the idea that your child, particularly your sad little redneck child, would want a gun made perfect sense. So under the tree that year was a long, slim box containing a Savage Arms Stevens Model 94H single-shot 410 shotgun. It was the best Christmas ever. Or at least it was until next year when I received a Marlin Model 6022 long rifle. Guns. Lots of guns. Now I had these guns all through my childhood. Now, I never had any ammunition because my parents were not fucking stupid. They weren't gonna give me bullets. And a gun without a bullet is, it's a club. And we never kept any bullets of any kind in the house. So my guns, the most wanted Christmas present of all time, were basically wall decorations. Hell, I never even fired the shotgun a single time. And as the years went by, both of them, the shotgun and the 22, found their way to my grandmother, who kept them for me for years. And eventually sold them off to someone or another, or somebody just stole them. I have no fucking clue what happened to these. What I'm trying to say here is, when you're a parent and your child really, really wants something, you'll kind of do anything to give it to them, even buying them an instrument of death. None of that has anything to do with this week's topic, other than maybe a few guns were flashed during skirmishes over the dumbass dolls, because we're talking about the hardest part of parenting in the first few years of the 1980s. Getting a Cabbage Patch kit. And it all started with a dude in Georgia who knew a good idea when he saw one, and so he stole it. Xavier Roberts was an art student from North Georgia, from the North Georgia town called Cleveland, Georgia. And in 1975, at the tender age of 21, Xavier was kicking around a local craft fair when he spotted a stall filled with handmade plush dolls with adorable squishy faces called doll babies. He had plump bodies and yarn hair. Raggedy Ann. Well, no, but yeah, kind of basically. But the twist on these dolls was how their creator was marketing them. You didn't buy them. You adopted them. Each doll came with a backstory and an adoption certificate, and each one was lovingly handcrafted by their creator, Martha Nelson. Now, Xavier Roberts loved doll babies, so he quickly entered into the agreement with Martha to sell them at the gift shop where he worked. And people loved the doll babies. A lot. And everyone wanted one. That's going to be a problem. Because each doll baby was made by hand by Martha, who very much did not want her art to be mass-produced. Xavier, on the other hand, wanted to make a lot of money and realized this was never going to happen because he was working with Martha Nelson. She not only was all for limiting the supply, she was insisting the dolls be sold for less money than Xavier wanted to. And he was like, brah, 
do you like even? Do you know what capitalism is? So it was that Xavier started creating his own dolls. Quoting now from VibrantCrafter.com, quote, In 1978, Xavier Roberts, together with a handful of friends, formed the original Appalachian Artworks Incorporated Company. Next, they renovated an old building in Cleveland, Georgia, and turned it into a shop and birthplace for his dolls. Local seamstresses were hired and trained to create the custo- and, cu- and customize the dolls. And despite its unusual concept, or maybe because of it, Babyland General Hospital became an almost overnight success, gaining the attention of news publications and taking on more employees as demand grew. Unquote. That smell? That might be a lawsuit. Oh, indeed it was going to be. More from Vibrant Crafter. Quote. In 1979, Martha Nelson Thomas sued Xavier Roberts for copyright infringement due to the similarity of the dolls and also for claiming in his marketing materials that the product was was an original made by him, a statement with which she disagreed. Martha claimed that her million-dollar lawsuit was never about getting a piece of the growing Cabbage Patch fortune. Instead, she maintained that it was against her principles for children to be brainwashed by television ads into buying mass-produced toys. Her dolls were all one-of-a-kind of creations, and she didn't like the fact that similar-looking dolls to her unique art dolls were now being mass-produced. There has never really been a question that the inspiration for Xavier's Little People dolls came from Martha's doll baby dolls. Even Xavier's own attorney, Bill Needle, is on record as saying he was inspired by her doll and came up with his own version. The problem was that Martha Nelson Thomas had never applied for a copyright on her doll baby design, whereas Xavier Roberts did on his Little People dolls. Though the handcrafted dolls did look quite similar, the judge determined that they were sufficient differences to dismiss that part of the case and ruled that in Mr. Roberts' favor on the copyright issue. The next part of the lawsuit, the claim of originality in his advertising, had yet to be decided. And with his dolls rapidly gaining popularity, Xavier Roberts chose to settle the case out of court for an undisclosed sum of money, which resolved the problem very satisfactorily, according to a statement made at the time by Martha Nelson Thomas. She was happy with the outcome and agreed never to speak of it again, unquote. Needless to say, y'all, if you're at all familiar with what comes next, Martha got fucked. Legal issues now out of the way. Xavier was free to get paid for his creations. Calling his version of the doll Little People, Xavier hit the road and began selling the dolls in craft fairs and holiday shows around the South. Before long, Xavier had his own store, or rather his own hospital, called Babyland General in an old medical clinic. Babyland General was where the Little People dolls were born, and they waited to be adopted by their new loving parents. Part of the whole shtick of these ugly little dogs was wrapped up in the mythology of their birth. And she's screaming and there's blood everywhere. Please, this is a children's toys. No, nothing like that happened. Bunny bees who flapped around on their big rabbit ears would fly into the cabbage patch, inseminating the cabbages with magic crystals. Yeah, you heard me. Rabbit bees fucked a plant with a crystal dildo and nutted inside of it to make ugly little babies. And those babies, well, if you didn't come along and adopt them, they would be forced into child slavery, working in a gold mine owned by some cat named Lavender McDade and Cabbage Jack and Bo Weasel. Okay, 
You are totally making this up. Oh no, this is the official backstory of the little people who would go on to become Cabbage Patch Dolls. With such a cloyingly sick and kitschy backstory, it did not take long for the little people to become a phenomena and for Xavier Roberts to begin looking for a partner to take his gross little dolls into the wider world. Enter toy manufacturer Coleco. Coleco, originally founded as a leather company in 1932, it had grown over the years into a sizable player in the toy economy. They weren't Mattel or Hasbro, but they were only on the, they were just on one tier below. And Coleco was best known for their electronic toys. Any boy kid of the 1970s and 80s played on what was supposed to be football on the Coleco electronic quarterback. Coleco's electronic quarterback, a lot more football for the money. Coleco was moving aggressively in the gaming console market, competing against Atari and Mattel's Intellivision with their... An arcade graphics that let you have the arcade experience at home, because your vision is our vision. ColecoVision. What can I say about the ColecoVision? Well, it was nowhere as good as the Atari, and was still somehow better than the Intellivision, which says a lot. We were an Intellivision family, probably because my parents found it on Salem Montgomery Wards. And like my Sears tough skin, jean-sized, hefty boy, I was mocked for having the lamest video game consoles. What about the doll? What doll? Oh, oh, that's right. We're, this is a show about the dolls. In 1981, Xavier Roberts was actively courting big toy manufacturers looking to cash in on his rip-off baby making. The first thing he had to do was change the name because Fisher-Price had already trademarked Little People and went with Cabbage Patch Dolls, playing off his goofy backstory. It was Coleco that came to him with a pitch that he just couldn't refuse. They would give the doll a mass-produced plastic head instead of a limited-run individual dolls Roberts was making and change the dolls from morbidly obese little lumps of fluff into something more like a genuine human being and move the magic Cabbage Patch where they were born to from the Babyland General Hospital to a sweatshop factory in Asia. What's the magic in the... Oh... It's in the bank. That's where the magic was, because by 1984, Coleco would sell $2 billion worth of these ugly little dolls and all their associated merch, which you have to admit, it's uh, a lot of magic. Because, pod friends, people lost their goddamn minds over these ugly-ass little dolls. There had been other toy crazes in the past. They spanned from the elementary like the yo-yo to the banal like the Barbie to the inexplicable like the Pet Rock. See episode number 348 coming by my weird ass toys for a full show about the Pet Rock. Oh, just, just keep plugging away, huh? But the reaction to Cabbage Patch dolls was unprecedented in American consumerism. Time magazine wrote in 1983, quote, so what are we to think about the great Cabbage Patch Kids madness of 1983? What are we to think of a homely vinyl face cloth doll that has become such an object of desire to, to so many people that 5,000 of them staged a near riot last week at the Hills Department Store in Charleston, West Virginia? Manager Scott Belcher could provide no explanation. He can only describe a Christmas crowd becoming a Christmas mob. They knocked over the display table. People were grabbing each other, pushing and shoving. It got ugly. What are we to think of a woman suffering a broken leg when another crowd of 1,000 turned violent after waiting eight hours to get into a Zaire department store in Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania? Department manager William Shigo could provide no explanation either. He armed himself with a baseball bat to defend his position behind the counter. Said he, get back, you're breaking my legs, unquote. Can I have two? Just one for customer. 
The customers were standing in front of this store at 7 o'clock this morning. The store didn't open until 9, and only a few Cabbage Patch dolls were going on sale. Once the coupons were given out to those few parents who would be allowed to buy a doll, the word was given out that the dolls would be given out behind the store, out back at the freight entrance. And then the race was on. Otherwise dignified, calm, mannerly parents broke into a sprint. Well, I, t I had to take what they gave me, and they gave me a boy, and I wanted a girl. I, this is my second trip around. My husband works here, and I can't even get what I want. <laughs> I miss work. I'm late for work to get this for my little girl. I'm not going to tell my boss. I'm trying to get there now. <laughs> I'm so excited. We waited here since 7.30, and I was just ecstatic. In fact, I ran around and got another ticket. And within a matter of minutes, it was over. You did not get a Cabbage Patch doll this morning. No, I did not. How badly do you want one? Very, very badly. Toy stores turned into fucking war zones over these dolls as boomer parents struggled to obtain one, not so much to show their children how much they loved them, though I suppose they thought that's what they were doing, but really for the being the status of someone who had one. Okay, boomer. It was less important to see the delight and surprise in the eyes of a child that they were mostly ignoring for the rest of the fucking year than it was to be the only boomer on the block who managed to snag a fucking Cabbage Patch doll. Also, the target age for these dumbass dolls was toddlers who were equally as happy to play with wrapping paper while shitting their diapers on Christmas morning, so let's not pretend anyone was doing it for the kids. And the craze left all pretense of being about the kids pretty fucking quickly. More from Time Magazine, quote, what is there about these creatures that make so many people wait in line for hours for a chance to push and shove and generally go bonkers? Two disc jockeys in Milwaukee wisecracked that a load of dolls will be dropped from a B-29 bomber to people who held catcher's mitts and American Express cards. <laughs> two dozen believers actually turned up at County Stadium in Milwaukee, braving a wind chill factor of minus two degrees Fahrenheit in the vain hope of mana from heaven. Psychologists offer the usual blizzard of explanations. One theory is that the very homeliness of the dolls is appealing. It's comforting, wrote Dr. Joyce Brothers, to feel the Cabbage Patch doll can be loved with all your might, even though it isn't pretty. Still another theory emphasizes the adoption, the emphasizes the doll's adoption ritual. The computers have given each doll a mellifluous name like Cornelia Lenora or Clarissa Sadie. And each comes with its own birth certificate and adoption papers ready to be signed. Most children believe between the ages 6 and 12 fantasize that they were really adopted, says Dr. Bruce Axelrod, director of comprehensive mental health service in Milwaukee. A child who adopts a Cabbage Patch kid can act out that fantasy. Maybe such psychological explanations are mainly pseudo-explanations. Maybe children want Cabbage Patch kids because other children want them. Or because television says other children want them. Maybe they do not want them as much as the parents want them. Or perhaps there are other reasons. A New York Times reporter in New Jersey saw five-year-old Eileen Napoli clutching a Cabbage Patch doll named Laura and dutifully asked why the girl wanted the, liked her doll so much. And said Eileen, she has a belly button, unquote. More than anything else, all of this was a two-pronged assault of marketing and media. Coleco marketing demarketed the shit out of the dolls, even though they knew they weren't really going to have enough product to meet the demand, and the media jumped on with stories about how hard the dolls were to obtain. All of this just made people want them that much more because that's how this shit works. Scarcity creates markets. 
You think you would ever fucking eat a McRib if they were on the regular menu? Fuck no. They, it's processed pig parts soaked in barbecue sauce. And you know what it tastes like? Processed pig parts soaked in barbecue sauce. Quoting now from Timeline.com, quote, To kick off its publicity circuit, the company held a press conference at Boston's Children's Museum in June 1983. Local school children attended and performed a mass adoption ceremony in front of media cameras. Each kid got to take home a free doll. From there, Cabbage Patch Kids were sent to every major media outlet and women's magazine in the country, even to pregnant television host Jane Pauley. The dolls got a full five minutes on the Today Show. Still, retailers did not predict the colossal demand, with early Christmas shoppers buying an average of three dolls each. Stores had massively underordered. By October 6th, Coleco said all $12 million it had manufactured were gone. According to Newsweek, by Thanksgiving, what had been sellouts became the Great Cabbage Patch Panic. Scalpers were reselling the $25 dolls for $150. And at the same time, knockoffs called Flower Kids were pouring in from overseas. Sometimes the only way to tell the difference was by a lack of a belly button. The Cabbage Patch phenomenon finally exposed the envious underbelly of the American adult. One psychologist even told Newsweek, that the subversion of one's individuality to a higher power like Cabbage Patch sounded a lot like Nazism, unquote. Which, yeah, I gotta say, now that we have real Nazis again, fighting over a fucking doll at a Toys R Us is, is not on the same level as saying Kanye West and Nick Fuentes having dinner with Donald Trump. Coleco raked in money hand over fist, Xavier Roberts got rich as fuck and he flaunted it, buying mansions and generally living the high life. There were other legal struggles after he hit it big. Remember Martha, he, uh, the lady who actually created the dolls? There was another big legal fight and she made a little more money, at least enough to start her own line of DIY doll baby kits where you can make your own doll babies. It was never as big as Cabbage Patch dolls, but Martha never wanted that in the first place. And so in a way, both of them kind of got what they wanted. Coleco, however, was not so lucky. Despite the huge windfall from the dolls, Coleco was about to face plant hard in the home video game market when it tanked in 84. And that, along with the debacle of their home computer system, Adam. You'll never finish by morning. No problem. Now, command the powers of Adam with professional keyboard, high-speed memory drive, and built-in word processor program, all in one package. Oops, you gotta start over. Relax, Adam. Do that paragraph. <laughs> Is that legal? And print. Adam, even a letter-quality daisy wheel printer. You did it! Adam, my launch sequence. Is that legal? Command the powers of Adam and program your future. Little 80s side nugget, the voice of the young woman you heard in that commercial, none other than Lori Laughlin, who would go on to discover that bribing your way into college was not legal. Adam was an embarrassingly bad machine, even by the standards of 1984, and by 1988, Coleco was bankrupt largely because of it. Hasbro bought the rights to the doll, and Cabbage Patch Dolls was just another mass-market toy that never actually went away, just, just got less exciting over the years. 
Perhaps the biggest legacy of the Cabbage Patch Dolls is our collective memory of the event. It marked the beginning of the feeding frenzy style of American consumerism that came to dominate the holiday season. Over the years, many such stories sparked panic shopping by status-conscious parents and eventually status-conscious children needing the latest toy of the year with their plaintive Please, 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 Daddy. That drove parents to stores for troll dolls, Nintendo Entertainment Systems, Beanie Babies, and Furbies. Eventually, Black Friday riots, or as they were called back then, doorbuster sales, became the standard way to shop for Christmas because nothing celebrates the season of love and peace like beating the shit out of someone over a $99 flat screen television. And though the prevalence of online shopping has largely killed off the frenetic doorbuster days, which I got to say, there are a lot of downsides to Amazon, but at least no one is being knifed in the parking lot of a Walmart at 3 a.m. the day after Thanksgiving over some cheap generic crap that's marked down $5. Now, we just all wait online like a soon-to-be-disappointed Taylor Swift fan for <laughs> Prime Days, Black Fridays, Small Business Saturdays, and Cyber Mondays deals. It's all very civilized these days, or at least... Civil, as civilized as it gets in end-stage capitalism. Most of my sources for this talked about the movie Jingle All the Way as the big pop culture homage to the Cabot Patch craze. And yeah, it was a direct commentary on the incident. I'm trying to find a gentleman doll. Me too, me too. This is war. Get ready to jingle. Howard, is there something bothering you? Because this time of year, there's a very high incidence of stress-related breakdown. Ah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Sinbad. Jingle all the way. Rated PG. But it is not the true representation of how the Cabbage Patch Panic of 1983 seared itself into our collective unconscious. There's only one man that truly took the lessons of the Cabbage Patch Frenzy to heart. And he is not the man we need to teach us this lesson. But he is, in every sense of the word, the man we deserve to teach us this lesson. Many Christmases ago, I went to buy a doll for my son. <laughs> I reached for the last one they had, but so did another man. As I rained blows upon him, I realized there had to be another way. What happened to the doll? It was destroyed. But out of that, a new holiday was born. A Festivus for the rest of us. That must have been some kind of doll. She was. God bless us, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That is it for our show this week. What a year it has been. And we have one more show before the new year, and we think it's just the kind of show that is perfect for that week between Christmas and New Year's. Now, I don't want to spoil it for you, but let's just say it involves a strange man, his gun, and his xenophobic fear of black people. 
and I think, well, you're not going to love it, but it is a nice bookend for our shows about New York City this year. Speaking of not loving things, rate and review us wherever you get your pods so others can find us, take a listen, and not really love that you recommended this show to them. If you want to slip a little something into our stocking so we can afford our own Cabbage Patch doll, head over to patreon.com slash whatthehellpodcast and put a little something under our tree. Now, you need to do all the things that Jeremy tells you to do in the closing. Otherwise, he will be there with a big old lump of coal for this year. And he doesn't want to do that because he thinks that coal is very damaging to the planet. And so for me, Dave, I've got a lot of problems with you people. Let's so, producer. I think I can take him this year during the feats of street. Gavin! And all the fictional members of the human fun on this show, we want to say... God damn, those dolls were just fucking ugly and super creepy. Why did anyone buy them? We'll see you all next week. The amazing thing about a Cabbage Patch Kid is that each one grows to be a special one. No one's like another, it's plain to see. Each one is as different as you and me. What the Hell Were You Thinking stars Dave Bledsoe and features Gavin St. James and several fictional minions. The show is produced by Kimberly Steele and a part of the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. You can find more information on the show on their website, whatthehellpodcast.com, or on Twitter at thehell underscore podcast, or on Facebook as What The Hell Podcast. Thanks for listening. I have no ending for this, so I take a small bow. Foreign death, homeless vets, AIDS, crack, burning death. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.